This morning, we are privileged to have a guest speaker with us. Uh, many of you will know Joe Ho. He's spoken here a number of times over the years, been a really good friend to me and others here in our community. Joe is uh, the head, the vice president, is that the vice president of Focus Ministries for InterVarsity nationally? And Focus Ministries means both uh, like multi-ethnic chap chapters uh, based on one ethnicity, but also professional chapters like nursing and that sort of thing. Joe, you don't have to stay that far away. I know social distancing is still in effect to some degree, but you can come a little close. Yeah, 50, exactly. That's right, that's right. Um, we are delighted to have you here. Joe and his wife Tracy are teaching the parenting class after uh, our worship time, and so Joe is also going to preach from Matthew 4 this morning. Uh, so if you, just as you're seated there, would you extend a hand with me, and let's pray a blessing over Joe. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you for the gift that Joe has been to our community and to your church more broadly here in the United States. And we thank you too for the gifts of Matthew chapter four and the gift of your Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of those words and is present to us now. And we ask now that these gifts together would work among us such that your purposes for us, in us, with us would be accomplished, O oh God, that we would receive conviction as we need it, encouragement as we need it, that we would draw more closely, more fully become your people today. Bless Joe as he preaches, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, I do, would invite anybody, if you haven't decided yet, to stay for the parenting class. A teaser, I'm going to start the class with um, telling you why I would be very unlikely to ever go to a class like a parenting class, and that will be, my, uh, that will be the, the, the lead-in this, this, uh, this afternoon. It's a privilege to be here. It's always really fun for uh, Tracy and I to, to be here. We enjoy each of you and, uh, and the chance to be part of your worship together. Uh, in Matthew 4, the devil places three offers on the table, one by one. These offers have traditionally been called a temptation, according to the verb used in verse 1. Uh, by rendering that verb more precisely, we might better call them a test, a trial, or even an ordeal. The first offer might fit the pedestrian usage of temptation. Which of us, when hungry, hasn't succumbed to a quote-unquote sinful treat at some point? Uh, but an offer of food for the empty stomach progresses in two short leaps to devil worship, a proverbial selling of the soul. That is a... Um, that's serious business, and that's why it's a stronger word than the one that we commonly use as temptation might be might be uh, uh, merited. But what is actually going on here? I would like to suggest that Matthew presents not only a particular ordeal in the life of Jesus, but a recapitulation of the human ordeal. This morning's lectionary reading suggests as much. In these three offers, we can discern an anatomy of sin and temptation and take stock of what we are really up against. And that's where I hope to proceed. So if you'd just join me, indulge me in praying once more. Lord, we ask that uh, you would make these words of the sermon uh, into more than just words, um, but that they would be your communication to each of us. We thank you for the gifts uh, of leadership and, and, uh, uh, that, and, and teaching that you've given me, but I also confess that, that those are, no equal, that are not equal to the task before us today. And so we ask that you would enliven in each of our hearts the gift of receptivity, the gift of insight, the gift of discerning your presence 
um, that, that uh, multiply and, and are far outstrip any teaching or leadership gifts on the part of one person. So we pray and invoke that this morning in your son's name. Amen. The opening offer is a test of appetite. I'm going to break these three, off, these three um, offers into the test of appetite, the test of appearance, and the test of agency uh, to map out the um, anatomy of sin and temptation. The opening offer is a test of appetite. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Some appetites are more legitimate than others, but even twisted and excessive appetites usually reflect a legitimate need somewhere deeper down. And what's more legitimate than exercising our capacity to meet our basic need for food? We rightly consider this a matter of justice in the world, and we rightly advocate for people who cannot exercise this prerogative. Yet what if the gateway to sin doesn't lie in our illegitimate needs, but in our legitimate ones. How many of us, when facing real lack, loneliness, or loss, justify what we say or do in terms of those unmet needs? How many marital infidelities, small and large, are internally justified with self-talk of unmet needs? What indulgences of greed and acquisition are justified as taking care of my family? Indeed, many societal ills are simply the aggregate effect of individuals exercising unfettered capacity to meet individual needs. As an aside, this first test also gives us insight into the practice of fasting. Uh, Fasting at times like Lent can certainly be an opportunity to curb our vices or excesses. But there's a further opportunity when we fast from things like food that are intrinsic God-given goods. We find that even legitimate needs are not ultimate needs, and legitimate prerogatives are not unlimited prerogatives. While affirming the goodness of physical life, we acknowledge the danger of diminishing our imagination to encompass only the meeting of physical needs. The first offer was a test of appetite. The next is the test of appearance. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The second offer uh, appeals, the, the appeal of the second offer is an appeal to uh, public vindication. Public vindication. As with the test of appetite, the prerogative for us to uh, have our appearances reflect reality has a core of legitimacy. The Psalms repeatedly appeal to God for vindication, and Romans affirms that creation itself longs for the quote unquote sons of God to be refe- revealed. Um, After a serious car accident a couple years ago, we finally concluded the insurance settlement process this year. I got particularly worked up while negotiating the wording of the liability waiver. I knew I could not get an admission of guilt. That's what a liability waiver avoids. But I kept drawing the line and signing something that is an explicit denial of guilt, 
which the lawyers for the insured party were trying to include in the waiver. But, but some of that was this sense of me wanting to be vindicated, like somebody ran a red light. Like I, I feel like there's, I need to be vindicated that something wrong happened. Yet isn't the test of appearance several degrees more insidious even than the test of appetite? Our desire to be seen in the right and the related desire to be authentic, don't they easily enslave us to the whims of others? One of the reasons I don't do much on social media is that I sense the pull of monitoring how pleasing I am in the eyes of others in the form of likes or even better, reposts. And doesn't the test of appearances make us even more enslaved to our own whims? We have a fiercely defended right to be myself these days. And that right is on the one hand extremely existentially significant and at the same time tautological to the point of meaninglessness. I, I, I feel the need to be myself. Think about that a little bit. For that right to mean something, I must set myself to the slippery task of defining self, a task which often lacks even the objective referent of physical appetites. I could demand that others recognize me as I really am, but doesn't that feed an underlying insecurity that no amount of vindication can satisfy? Addiction to appetite is powerful, but not nearly as distorting to our humanity than addiction to appearance. Finally, in the third offer, we come at last to the bottom line, the test of agency, appetite, appearance, and now agency. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. What if devil worship isn't just shadowy occult practices on the fringes of society? What if devil worship hides behind nothing more than a quest for agency, to do what we want, when we want? The prerogative to rule, like the prerogative to have food or to be seen for who we are, likewise arises from something good. Dallas Willard defines kingdom as the range of one's effective will. You know, you have a philosophy professor, they use strange phrases like that. But in other words, he says that one's kingdom is the sphere in which one has agency, where one's ought and is are one and the same. Defined thus, all humans were designed for agency, for a kingdom. And collectively, the scope of human agency was designed to extend to the whole world. Once again, in Willard's words, the human job description found in chapter 1 of Genesis indicates that God assigned to us collectively the rule over all living things on earth. But notice what he goes on to say. God equipped us for this task by framing our nature to function in a conscious, personal relationship of interactive responsibility with him. We are meant to exercise our rule only in union with God as he acts with us. He intended to be our constant companion or co-worker in the creative enterprise of life on earth. So the prerogative to rule the whole world far from being despotic is in one sense the most biblical human prerogative of them all. 
But the key is in the terms of said worldwide rule. The devil offers us kingdom, independent of union with God. He offers us what is God's sole prerogative, that of independent kingship. Such agency is the heartbeat of fallen humanity, independent kingship, unlimited agency. And this third test reveals such an offer for what it is, devil worship. For self-worship turns out to be the most insidious offer of all, as the devil cleverly hides behind a mask of our own illusory selves to gladly receive our worship. These tests of appetite, appearance, and agency weave an inexorable web. They appeal to legitimate goods, but end up enslaving us in an ever-accumulating addiction to that which we think we want. Instead of leading to life as they were intended, these offers fail time and again to deliver on their promises and ever more distorted expressions of appetite, of appearance, and of agency dominate the horizons of human experience, both personal and collective. Another of our readings today recounts another offer placed on the table. In it, our first parents encounter a fruit that was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and granted the prerogative to be like God. Appetite, appearance, and agency were on the table then, and in the words of Genesis 3, they took some and ate it. And so from the beginning, we have followed in the steps of our first parents. We take and eat, take and eat, take and eat, and in doing so, we continue to sell ourselves ever deeper and deeper into bondage. Until one day, on that day, the very Son of God stepped into our ordeal. Among all humans, he most legitimately shared the prerogatives of God, and the devil pounced on that. If you are Son of God, he was told, use that prerogative to meet your hunger. But this one met his needs, not according to his rights, but according to the plan and provision of God. And so, he denied his body's legitimate need for bread in order that that same body would become bread for the whole world. This one was challenged, if you are the Son of God, to publicly express who he really was. Make yourself vulnerable to death and in need of deliverance, and then show us God lifting you up. But this one refused to submit himself or his God to such a test. Instead, he awaited the time where he would indeed throw himself down publicly before the temple and its crowd. In that hour, he would be lifted up, not from death, but unto death, and in doing so, he truly showed who he was and who his father was. Onlookers challenged even then him to vindicate himself. If you are the son of God, he saved others, they mocked. He cannot save himself. The son of God changed those words of mockery into prophecy. He saved others. He cannot save himself. And in doing so, proved himself son of God. Finally, this one was offered the most straightforward prerogative of God's Son to possess the kingdoms of the world. For the term Son of God in the ancient world was virtually synonymous with being a king. But this one would not exercise his prerogative at the expense 
of his worship. He did not at that moment receive the kingdoms of the world. Indeed, he would proclaim a kingdom not yet of this world, and in response, the kingdoms of this world would rise up and band together to kill him. But the God he served would raise him from death and to his heavenly throne, so that the kingdoms of this world would indeed become the kingdom of his son. So, my friends, this day, let us not take and eat our prerogatives to be like God. But by faith, let us take and eat the body and blood of Jesus, who laid aside his prerogatives in order to be like us. He has passed the test that none of us have. He has prevailed in the ordeal that none of us could endure. Oh, come, let us worship him and receive the freely offered fruit of that victory. Jesus, we offer to you our worship and our awe at overcoming the ordeal and temptation that all of us find ourselves helpless before. We thank you that you invite us to join ourselves to you, to feast on your body and blood, to confess our faith in you, and in doing so, to enter into the victory that we could not have ever won on our own. Amen.